Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Sex Talk with Zivi and Tracy, co-hosted by me, Zivi Owens, and Tracy Cox, who is the author of 17 books and an international sex expert. We are the duo behind the TikTok viral sensation account called With Zivi and Tracy, and you should definitely listen to this podcast in which I ask Tracy three anonymously sourced questions each episode, which you can also enter at www.sextalkwithzivianttracy.com and it's sextalk, S-E-X-T-O-K to reflect our TikTok viral success. I hope you enjoy. Enter your questions on our website. Listen up, send it to friends, and please rate and review our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Enjoy. Hi, Tracy. I cannot believe you've had another birthday since we've spoken. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. Indeed. Not sure I should be celebrating this one, really. I cannot believe, honestly, cannot believe that you are 60 years old. Like, first of all, (laughs) you look not a day older than me, and I'm 45, and you, like, are so vivacious and young, and I don't know. I cannot believe this is what 60 can look like. Well, that's pretty nice of you. That is very nice of you, actually. I bought, I was so depressed about it all, I thought, right, I just need to buy a dress. So I went off and bought this sort of almost 60s flower power, Austin Powers type dress. If you have a look on Instagram, you'll see it. It's quite cool. I just thought, right, I'm going to have to embrace this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway, it's only a number, isn't it? But anyway, look, moving right along, moving oh, right along. Well, I think that's pretty awesome. I mean, if this is 60, I mean, you, know, you should write something like this is 60. You know, we have like, this is just not... The old version of what that looks like is so not the case anymore. Yeah, anyway. I suppose it is. It is pretty different. I remember when I turned 50, I was like, actually, I'm not worried about turning 50. 60 feels old, though, Zivi. 60 feels like, oh, my God. For instance, I now get a free bus pass and travel. <laughs> I mean, how embarrassing is that? I mean, that's so embarrassing. I just cannot. My bus been settled. Do you realise? And I was like, shh, just shut up. Don't talk to me. That is really funny. Yeah, I feel like at 65, you get, in the United States, you get part of like AARP, you get a magazine, you get like discounts (laughs) at the movies and things like that. (laughs) Oh my God. But this is 60. Yeah, like, come on, 65 I can cope with it, but 60. Anyways, like like I said, the older you get, the younger your age sounds, doesn't it? Yeah. When I was 20, yeah, like 60s old. Anyway, moving right along, Uh we'll probably put everyone off now. They don't want to even (laughs) listen to advice from someone who's 60 and old. Anyway, blah, blah, go on. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Here we go. Show number 32. First question. My husband and I are having massive fights over a longtime friend of mine who I used to date in college. We'd see each other twice a year for dinner, and my husband didn't seem to mind. But now my friend is having problems in his marriage, and suddenly my husband is threatened. My friend is attractive, and yes, we have history, but that doesn't mean I'm about to run off with him. How do I handle this? Mm. Now, as someone who 
often has dinner with male friends without my husband, I completely get why you're like, oh, hang on, what's going on here? One minute it's fine and one minute it's not. But I do think there is a big difference between waving off your partner with somebody who's their friend but happily married and waving off your partner to somebody who's about to be single, that is handsome, that your wife has already slept with. (laughs) I think there's a big difference. I do think there's a big difference. And I mean, you know, he knows you're attracted to him because you've dated him. He knows that you care a lot about him because you've maintained the friendship, because you get on really well. And he also knows that you care quite deeply about this guy because you have let this interfere with your marriage. So all of these signals are very strong. You know, this guy is important to my wife. So really, honestly... You can't blame him for getting jealous. I don't think you can blame him for getting jealous. What do you think? I agree. I see why he's jealous. What yeah. do you think you sh- they should do, though? Should the should the husband come along? Well, that was one of my things. I mean, first of all, I think that the woman needs to ask herself this. Are you being honest with yourself? Is your husband picking up on you actually, you know, being quite tempted by the fact that this guy is going to be single. Is there any unfinished business between the two of you? Maybe that's what I'm trying to ask. Because if there is, you need to have a big, long think about, you know, what's going on here really, right? I don't actually think this is the problem, but just make sure that that isn't the problem. You could easily do, as Zibby suggests, include your husband. You could make, not even the whole time, right? But just have a drink with your husband before you go out to dinner. Or maybe come back and have a drink with him after dinner, and just include him because it's like a secret little club at this point that he's not involved in. And that would really annoy me. I wouldn't like that at all. So it could be that. Have you reassured him that, in fact, you're not interested in running off with this guy rather than, oh, don't be so silly? Like, have you said, look, I'm madly in love with you. Why would I run off with him? Have you properly reassured him on this? Which leads me to my next question. How happy is your marriage? Because maybe... This is derailing it because there are other things going on there. So it could be that there's a few issues that you haven't dealt with your marriage and this is bringing it to a head. But most of all, what I honestly think, I think that your husband isn't necessarily jealous about the man and you might run off with him, but I reckon he's probably jealous about the time you're giving this guy, the undivided attention, the priority he gets. Like, you know, yes, I must make time for him. And, you know, the energy you put into this relationship. Are you giving your husband all of those things? Because I think if you are, he wouldn't be so upset about this. So I think he's more jealous of everything that's surrounding him. That's my feel on this. Interesting. Yeah. Because we often put our spouse last, don't we? Because they're there. You know, we don't have to, you know, it's it's really bad that we treat the people closest to us often the worst of all because we just assume they're going to be there. We take them for granted. It's true. I've been debating if I should schedule a Zoom with my husband. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I should interview him about something. Maybe I should give him these 30 minutes that I give like everybody else in the world, you know? Mm. Listen. My first marriage, one of the reasons it broke up is that my husband said to me, he said, you're so busy fixing everybody else's problems, you forget about, you know, your own, basically. Interesting. Yes, there you go. Mm. Schedule this call afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Paranoid call to Carl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, question number two. Just when I think I've got it all figured out and found the spot that makes my girlfriend orgasm, she moves the goalposts. It seems to change each time. Is this true or am I imagining it? No, you aren't imagining it. This can happen. This happens because 
Our clitoris becomes more sensitive or less sensitive depending on what else is happening in our lives. So that might be mood, it might be the time of the month, it might be stress levels, and it might be alcohol because alcohol is so funny. Honestly, I don't know, it's probably just me and my husband, but when we've been watching TV and we've been having a few drinks, honestly, the next day we get up and we turn the TV on and it's like, oh my God, it's like it's on this huge volume. And it's the same with my vibrator. Look, if I'm a bit drunk and have used my, this is pre, this is when I used to like roll in late at night, quite drunk and get out the vibrator. It, I used to put it up to the most powerful setting that you've ever had. And the next day it was like, oh my God, what was that? And I think alcohol affects the clitoris so much. It really, really does. So if there's alcohol involved in this, this will be why it's very different at different times. Sober sex and drunk sex are very different things. Now, happily, there is a little technique, which I can tell you, which will help you identify exactly the right spot on any particular day. So it doesn't matter if she moves the goalpost. So what you have to do, right, you have to bear with me with this. It sounds bonkers, but it works, right? Imagine the vagina is a clock face, right? Imagine an old-fashioned clock dial surrounding the vagina. So 12 o'clock is where her pubic hair is. Six o'clock is where the entrance to her vagina is, right? Now, when she you know, you're giving her all sex or whatever, and she says, oh, it feels great there. Then you just clock it in your head. Is that 10 o'clock? Is that 2 o'clock? Is that 4 o'clock? Like, where am I on this clock dial? Which means then that you don't have to super glue your tongue to that spot. You can actually relax and take a break and come up and kiss her and do whatever. So you know where to return to. So it makes you look really clever, right? Or, but I mean, the trick to this really is she can use it as well. She can say, all right, 2 o'clock. Because it, it gets rid of that up a bit, down a bit, to the side a bit. Can you just do that? You know, it just puts the person in exactly the right spot. So it's really good technique if, you, if you're trying to, you know, tell your partner where to lick or for him to remember where to lick. So what about that? Do you like that one? Thank you for that visual, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> You'd love it. Now, the other thing is make sure you have the lights on because otherwise you're not going to know where you are on the clock dial. So you've got to know what you're doing. But also make sure there's good communication because this isn't really a problem at all. It's another non-problem. If she says, actually, tonight, I like it the other side of the clitoris, because one side can be more sensitive in some people than the other. So just lots of communication and use the clock thing. And that's that problem solved. Tick. Amazing. Tick, tick. How an ingenious way of using time to solve problems. <laughs> okay, question three. I'm divorced and back out there dating again. I've met someone I'm having a great time with sexually, but worried my daughter can hear us. The last thing I want to do is scar her for life. She's 14 years old. I try to keep quiet and always wait until she's asleep, but am I being a bad mother by having sex when she might overhear? The only place I can be intimate is at home. Well, see, I want to ask you to answer that question first because you're a mum and I'm not a mum, but you, I know you won't like that. So I'll, I'll weigh in first and you hand over your bit, right? Yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> okay. So number I would say, absolutely, of course, you're not being a bad parent because you're daring to have a life that's apart from your children. And I always think happy parents make happy kids. So please don't feel guilty about wanting to have sex, you know. I mean, and your daughter is... 14, right? She knows. She knows what's going on when she goes to bed. She knows you're toddling up those stairs. You can lock the door. You can get off the bed so it's, if it's squeaky and have sex on the floor. You can put music on. You can control the moaning and groaning. You can do all of that. But she's still going to know that you are having sex 
because they're 14. You know, she's not a young baby. Where you're going to... My big issue here is not that you are having sex and your daughter might hear you because she's 14, you are not going to scar her, but you will scar her if you don't start having open conversations about sex. This is where you're going to scar her. Now, I'm a huge fan about talking to kids about sex from a very young age. And Zibi, not just some of the research, all of the research says that you are so much better off talking to your kids from a very, very young age about sex than not talking to them. All the Scand- In all the Scandinavian countries, they have brilliant sex education. Everyone's very open. And surprise, surprise, you know, no, virtually no STIs, virtually no teenage pregnancies. You know, these kids then go off into sexual relationships and surprise, surprise, women's orgasm rates are higher. You know, this thing we have going on in the West where it's like we are protecting our children by protecting, putting hands over their ears whenever anything sexual is mentioned. We are not, we are scarring our children. We're sending them out there into the world with no education. They haven't got a clue what they're doing. Kids are curious. If you don't give them information about sex, they will go out there and try it themselves. So the more information you give your your kids about sex, the better off they will be, right? Now, there's a book called No Shame. It's written by the shameless psychiatrist, which is Dr. Leah Liss, L-E-A-L-I-S. Absolutely brilliant book. I think all parents should read it. Now, she says, from a very young age, we should be explaining everything, reproduction periods, you know, kids are curious. They see the tamponettes, they see animals mating and stuff. And she says, always use correct terms. Don't do the whole little pee-pee, you say vulva, <laughs> say vagina, do all that sort of stuff from a very young age and talk even more when they hit puberty. Now, with your 14-year-old daughter, you should be asking her questions like, well, have you kissed anyone yet? And was it a boy or was it a girl? Or... Are the other kids in your class having sex? What about your friends? Are they having sex? You know, that's the sort of level you should be at with this conversation at 14. You know, if you don't feel you're at that, just, you know, watch what she's watching. Watch Sex Education on Netflix. It's a brilliant show for talking to your kids about sex. Just watch an episode and say, oh, my God, I watched this show. What do you think? Do you think it's representative of kids? Do you think, what do you think about this character? What did you think about that? Just start having conversations and While you're having the conversations, don't forget to talk about pleasure, that masturbating is probably going to be necessary, that she's probably going to have to tell her partners what to do to give her an orgasm, talk about consent, because the schools and universities take it very seriously, and so should parents. And don't feel like you don't have to sit there and sit her down and go, right, we're going to have a discussion. Just have little bite-sized chats. Like, use this as a door to open the conversation. Say, well, you know, I've got a boyfriend or, you know, you've met my boyfriend, right? You know, he stays over. I guess you figured with having sex, you know, I'm really hoping you can't hear us because that would be mortifying. Okay. You've already done the worst bit. You have actually, you know, stopped the, we don't talk about sex rule. You're now talking about sex with your daughter. She will go, oh, mum, and probably run from the room if you've never talked to her about it. But it's all, you've set the seed now. You've you've done the hard bit. From there on in, you can build and just make little comments, little conversations. And before you know it, you'll be having the big conversation. It's as easy as that. Everybody thinks I can't possibly talk to my daughter about it or my son. But you can. It's never too late to start. But please, anyone with young children, start really early. Really, really early. The minute they start asking questions about sex, they are old enough to hear the basics. Interesting. My little rant. You get a lot of conflicting advice about that. You know, when is the right time? How should you tell? How much should you tell? That's interesting. Is there? 
Well, the conflicting advice all comes from the West. Mm-hmm. If you want good advice on sex and you want the results, go and get some advice from the Scandinavian sex educators. Because honestly, Zibi, it's been... How long have I been doing this? It's, it, it's not altered. So there is no conflicting advice. There really isn't. There, there is in America where it's all like, let's use the... What was that awful thing, the ring thing, where, you know, they were trying to teach kids to not ever have sex until they got married? What was it called? Abstinence? Uh, abs- yes, the abstinence, that whole abstinence. That was successful, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, it was just... Uh, and, and just left all this shame and anxiety about sex and shame. There's so much shame about sex in the West. There's no shame about sex in these Nordic countries where they, you know, in, or Germany or places like that. Hmm. So who's got it right, really? Wow. All right, good. Good to hear some perspective. Global. I'm going to send yep. you this book if you haven't read it. Thank you. I am going to make you read it as well. Okay, along with you, Because you can read a book in about two seconds, won't take I can. Long. I will do it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sex or relationship tip of the week. Okay, relationship tip this week. Okay. Um, this is quite important. Don't do all the work in your relationship. I used to be guilty of this. If you're the one that always steps in to fix things, you don't give your partner the chance to try. So what ends up happening is you feel resentful for doing all the fixing and they feel very controlled. So I got told that once by a psychologist a friend of mine and, and I was doing that all the time and it just wasn't getting me anywhere. And honestly, I think it's the best advice ever. Don't be the one that fixes everything. I love that. Yeah, I tend to jump in. Yeah. To, you know. Most, it is nearly always women who do because we're used to being the fixers with everything. But it really doesn't help. You've got to step back and let them step forward sometimes. Okay. Good advice. Very good. Thank I you. I don't know. What would I do without you, Tracy? I don't know. <laughs> you poor thing. Poor old Zippy's battling a cold and she's dosed up to the eyeballs with <laughs> medication and she's done very, very well. Thank you. Thank you. Haven't you? Oh, well, thank you for these great questions and fun shows always. Lots to always take away and think about. So thank you, Tracy. Good. No problems at all. Thoroughly enjoy it. And happy birthday Bye. again. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Sex Talk with Zivi and Tracy. If you want more from Tracy, she has a column on Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. So check that out too. Thanks again. 